0: Before we get started, I'm trying to reach out one of our listeners I don't have contact information to, George W. If you will email me at redandwhitepodcast at gmail.com. I'd appreciate it. This episode of the Red and White Podcast is brought to you by Will Sossaman, Commercial Real Estate Advisor at Phoenix Commercial Properties right here in Raleigh. Will is a huge Wolfpack fan, and NC State alumni, whose passion is helping buyers, sellers, landlords, and tenants find clear strategic solutions for their property needs. If you're thinking about leasing, buying, selling, or even investing in commercial real estate, you need a local professional with superior market knowledge on your side. Give Will a call, 919-632-6953, and I'll link his email address in the description's podcast. Remember that when it comes to commercial real estate, where there's a will, there's a way. Go Pack. I was raised by the wolves. I was raised by the wolves. I was raised by the wolves. Ain't through the night, with your life. On, get the pack, risk in your life. All right, folks, we are back with another edition of the Red and White Podcast. I'm your host, Evan, here with my man Will. Will, did you know that it's all your fault for not showing up to the stadium? All your fault. Everything bad that happens is your fault.
1: Well, I usually don't show up on Thursday nights, so I guess I'll take the blame.
0: You are a bad fan. I believe I suck.
1: No, I'm, I only suck if I leave the game.
0: That's no. If you don't show up, I've heard you suck too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, How many whiskeys
1: man. have you had? When you listen to him tell that story, there's zero percent chance he was not semi-drunk. If his, if that's his explanation.
0: I did hear the coaches were spending some late night at the RV parking lot after that big Virginia Tech win. But he said so, that was
1: Saturday,
0: and it was his day maybe. off. And, you know, you hear him
1: tell that story, and I'm just like, boy, boy that sounds like someone who's had three or four bourbons. Yeah. It was really kicking it back. Maybe he got too much sun that day. Whiskey Will would know. Whiskey I know. I mean, know. I can sense it.
0: <laughs> so if you've been living under a shell – and don't know what the hell we were talking about. Uh, State-Virginia Tech game, the atmosphere was very lackluster. After 10 punts in the first half, a lot of people decided to leave, not come back. And Dave Doran retweeted a, quote, super fan uh, that said, you all suck. I mean, whatever it was, it was ridiculous judgmental, immature statement, whatever. Dave retweeted it as a badge of honor, so to speak. And then jokingly said in his press conference that he's sorry. He was, he was running an experiment. He said, I could have decide. I was trying to figure out if I should like this or retweet it. And you know, so I just figured out, oh, well, let's see what happens if I retweet this. And he said, I'm sorry for upsetting the Twitterverse," and very, dismissal maybe of the whole thing. I, I don't want to say he was talking down to folks. Cause I don't think that was that, but it was very, um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't Did know the right it? term.
1: Did he leave it retweeted? Yeah. still there. yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> I'm surprised no one in there said, why would you choose a tweet that says your fans suck? Yeah. I'm sure there were plenty of others to choose from and it's, I don't know. Maybe I'm looking into it too much, but I feel like Dave Doran and the f- football program know who that person is. <laughs> oh yeah. 100%. You know, it's not like it was a real random selection out there. No. It's not like he was keyword searching and just said, Oh wow. There's a random. Yeah. Uh-uh. One here, right. You know, I no, just, this cause
0: this person has tweeted that Doran should be fired and Beck should be fired. And at one point Gibson probably should have been fired and everybody else should have been fired. Yeah, I mean,
1: 27 minutes into the game, she said fire Tim Beck on there. Yeah. And so it's like that's where I kind of draw the line. I'm like, look, if if you want to go blast fans, then you can't be one that's contributing to that, that kind of toxic environment yourself. And, you know, it's it's just kind of bullshit. It would have been funnier if he had retweeted the fire Tim Beck tweet.
0: (laughs) <laughs> that that would have been funnier. Like, you want to see an experiment? See if your offensive coordinator is paying attention to Twitter, and that would have been more fun. Well, oh, no, is. Tim! Just kidding. Just kidding, Tim. No, I don't mean that. Just experiment see if you're paying attention. Tim's on there. He's active. Yeah, we know Tim's active. Go check out Tim Beck's likes. Tim Beck has some interesting <laughs> Twitter activity. I, there's so many ways to to take this, and I'm kind of tired of talking about it because we've been talking about it in the chat for about three days now but essentially your, your your tweet thread on it was good i thought well i mean look i'm not a 12 year old anymore like i used to be the fan i'd never leave early right I, I get it i understand that mentality but you're free to do whatever the hell you want you pay for your tickets you pay for your time thursday night like i got some emails that people who were upset at dave retweeting that because like i you know i have limited time i have limited money and i spend my time when I can to go to the football game and Thursday night, it was a hard night for me because I'm working and, you know, I had a lot of people who echoed that. Like I got multiple emails saying the same thing that, you know, it's disingenuous for somebody like that to pass judgment on another fan. You have no idea of the person's circumstances, right? You, you don't know. I'm I'm happy that anybody decided to come to the game. That was for the most part sold out. Like it was, you know, I appreciate that. I'm not going to cast judgment if somebody's got to leave. I don't know if you know maybe their kids not feeling well, or maybe they're you know their kids have school the next day, or they have to go to work, or they're working the night shift. Like, there's so many ways that you could have put some empathy into that situation and and not just say you suck for leaving. Like that's just such an immature statement. It's just such a the whole thing was just immature, and, and Dave Doran retweeting it is completely. Lacking of self awareness, D- Dave. Why was the energy in that stadium dead? Right. If 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 our media had any balls, that's what they would have asked him. So, Dave, why why was the feed, why was why were the fans not excited, or why was the atmosphere less than it could have been for a Thursday night? Yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe because you're not living up to expectations, or maybe because your offense punted five times in the first half.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, it's, I mean, you got to remember, right? Up until the third, what, four minutes left in the third quarter, they hadn't scored a touchdown in eight-plus quarters. Eight quarters. And so, like, look, fans probably maybe, uh, I don't know. I'm going to guess, like, a quarter of the fan base was already a little antsy and frustrated with the offense in the just just the season in general when Leary got knocked out of that FSU game, but we were not looking good prior to that anyways, right? They had one drive at the start of that half. So he goes out, you luck box your way into winning a game against Florida State. You go on the road and look just, you know, just completely ineffective on on offense. You look like you're just calling an extremely conservative game plan. You can't do anything in the red zone. So then you get a bye week and people are like, all right, we're going to kind of let this thing uh, wash over us a little bit. And you come out with the same crap to start the game. Short, short passes. It was screen, slant, draw, flat, flat pass. I mean, that's your first five passes, you know, against, <laughs> against an inferior opponent, right? And then you're, you're shuffling between the quarterbacks. No one's getting a rhythm. You're not doing anything. Like, it's amazing people didn't just leave at halftime and not come back and then just start complaining about people that left in the third quarter. Like once once it was 21 to three, you know, as I was watching, I was like, I'm watching because I feel like someone's getting fired. And so I'm going to watch and see how this ends, you know, but I just think it's insane to just think that everyone should show up and keep paying money and sit there and cheer, cheer, cheer when you're putting a real garbage product on the field. And thank God that MJ Morris just came in. Something clicked. Terrell Timmons made two big plays. You just started functioning. You started using the full field and you were a lot more aggressive. You you know, people are like, well, what changed? You know, and IPS was talking about how it's the same concepts, but just the frequency of the concepts were being used. And that's the thing. It's like everyone's been saying it's not that the playbook doesn't have these plays. It's that you're not calling them very often and you're not taking advantage of it. So fans have been sitting there for, what, eight games at that point? Nine games? Eight games. And just saying, when the hell are you going to play offense? So they left. Thursday night, man. People had stuff to do. Traffic was bad getting there, if I recall. You know, it's just like, why should they sit around? I just, I I can't believe, it's not him saying it after the game. I don't care. I, I get it. Like you wish people had stayed, it's it's just tweeting something that says your fans suck.
0: It's, I don't know, man. You like, said it. You said it to me. It, probably the best. I the his best response would have been, "Hey, I know we're frustrated, or, or I know the fans want to see uh, whatever, like a better product on the field, or you know, more dynamic offense." Or, however, you said it, like it was just the right way a day to respond, not being antagonistic to the fan base. It's, it's annoying to me. Like at at some point, the the players are getting paid. The coaches are getting paid $5 million. And it all, again, it's another thing they throw back at the fans. All your fans didn't show up or your fans didn't donate to the NIL or your fans don't do this or your fans. I'm like, at some point, like if, you haven't scored an offensive touchdown in eight quarters. How is a fan su- supposed to, you know, vote with their wallet, as they say, or you know, however you want to say, it. like I don't buy this certain product or I don't do this. Get up and leave. Right? That is entire right. And and Dave should be looking at that and saying, these fans don't suck. They're frustrated because our offense sucks. Our offense is inept, and we keep doing the same thing over and over year and out. And getting the same product and not, and, and wasting this special season.
1: It's, it's weird for people to be like, well, you're six and two. You should be happy. That's the, that's the backside. Hey, trust me. I'm happy that we're six and two. I'm glad that we're bowl eligible. There's a lot of positives there, but you, (laughs) the current composition of, of the team and what you were seeing for those past two games was not what got you to six and two right it was a product of your schedule great defense devin larry not completely crap in the bed in certain games and then what like your your season radically changed during that fsu game you saw the syracuse game you didn't see anything there that felt positive then you go into the bye week and you come out and you're like man this looks regret it looks like it looked like they regressed over the bye week it didn't look like they had improved so it's, it's, yeah, you know, you sit here and you go, okay, now I have to hope that MJ was not, it was just not a freak accident. It wasn't Virginia Tech being the bad Virginia Tech team that they are. It wasn't that they were being hyper-aggressive with cover one or cover zero, right? Like, I I'm, I don't know. They they saw that you couldn't throw the ball, and then you started throwing the ball, and things changed for you. So hopefully take a hint from that, Tim Beck. Like, there's, there's advantages there. But MJ could come out and stink against Wake could stink, you know, we'll probably beat BC, but he could stink against Louisville. We just saw what they did. They could stink against UNC on the road. Like there's a lot of unknowns left. So like, it's good that we got over one hump. Let's just see where it goes from here. But I don't know, man, any coach that does that, that's the kind of coaching action or activity that makes me think like they're not going to be here. And it's like, if you think your product on the field was so great, well then why is your athletic director giving an interview and not even talking about the team? In the game. Yeah. Right? Like, I'd have more beef there. Why doesn't he retweet any of our boo tweets, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Like, we're still ranked. We're ranked in the CFP, I think. Like, it's it's all good, man. Like, all those little checkboxes are great, but you should be able to look behind the curtain a little bit and say, well, there's some concerning things here, and, you know, let's see what they do against Wake.
0: This is how bad it is. So somebody put out. Here's Dave's quote. I'm sorry for upsetting Twitterverse. I think having a stadium full for a full game that helps you play better, recruit better. And the way he said it was very, again, I don't want to say condescending, but he was just kind of like joking when he said it. Like he was very, he was very laughing about it. Like he's very sure of himself. I don't, I don't know what the right way to say it is. But when Joe Ovius of all people is on your side and says maybe experiment on being aggressive on offense to start a game rather than waiting to be down a couple scores before opening things up. Like that exactly is everybody's frustration. You're down 18 points to a terrible, terrible Virginia tech team. Like they are terrible. And that's what it took. And it took, it still took putting in your other quarterback and letting him do things. Or I, I don't know like what they asked of him to do, to be honest, but he was making plays. It took that. It took that dire need. If they had lost that game, I, I we were talking about in the chat during the game, like this is about to be an all-time bad loss. And I equate it to a very bad Virginia team beating Tom O'Brien his last year. And that yeah. stadium felt the very same way that night, like early on. Right? That's that's how that felt. Punt, punt, punt people were dead, you know, it was dead. Then you go down, you just give up two long scores and to a team that's just absolutely inept. And the t- people are frustrated. Like, it's it's completely tone deaf for, for him to be doing that. And, like, dude, you get paid $5 million a year. I'm frustrated with you. Our fans are frustrated with you. It's, it's our entertainment. You are getting paid for it. You should be apologizing to us and not asking the fans to be better. You should be asking yourself to be better. You should be asking your, your offensive coordinator to be better, your offensive staff to be better. That's yep. what you should be. You should have some have some introspection there and, and look at okay, well, why are they frustrated with us? Well, you're six and two. You should be good. Like I, I hate that response. You do know, people don't appreciate you're six and two. I'm not here to be bowl eligible. Like I'm not supporting this team. I want to win. Like I want to. I don't want to be second fiddle to Carolina, who's going to win the coastal, go to the ACC championship game. We got to hear that nonsense. Like, state hasn't won every every team in the damn league other than three have won a division at some point over this over his tenure. And you're telling me that you're frustrated with us as a fan. Stop, stop it! This fan, the fan base has been there all year. The fan base has supported this team. Charleston Southern game, UConn game, those were good crowds for terrible teams. People left this game. People didn't show up for this game because they're frustrated with what you're seeing. They're frustrated with not scoring an offensive touchdown in eight quarters. Yeah, They're frustrated you know with a coach c- coming out at halftime and saying, hey, we're going to have to have our defense score. Like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Get yeah. out of here, man. You
1: know what's funny is um, people are going to show up. People were... As soon as MJ got a touchdown, you know people were going to show up for the weight game. It was already sold out. Oh yeah, they got hope, right? He didn't have to do anything. Now I guarantee, like when the crowd's there and and roaring, he's going to be like, "I guess my my experiment worked," you know. And it's like, nah, dude. Like it was Thursday night. I bet they didn't even have any recruits in the building that weren't committed already. Right. I I guarantee it. I guarantee they were not even trying to make this so, up. That's where it just kind of comes across and you're like, F you, man. Come on. We've been selling these, these games out for years. You know, you're you're giving us just enough to keep everyone happy. But, like, I can't believe you could be so tone-deaf about that and think that fans should be happy that it's 3 nothing against Virginia Tech. You're a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. I mean, it's just... And then when they came out and started scoring and you're like, they're not even doing anything special and they're moving the ball down the field yeah. right now. Then you start thinking... What's Wake going to do? What's Louisville going to do? What's UNC going to do, right? And it just starts building up. You're like, oh, man, we are effed. This is going to be brutal. What a terrible way this is going to end. Because then you just start going like, oh, my God, if we can't beat Virginia Tech. We probably can't beat BC. But don't worry. BC is worse than Virginia Tech right now. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's close.
1: I mean, they lost the UConn, man. They're they're bad. They're bad, bad. I mean, VT lost the Old Dominion. Virginia, I, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Moving uh, on from this, because I I don't need to be chastised by an immature fan and I don't need to be chastised by a coach for getting paid five million dollars a year like for my support of this team. Like I pay my money, a season ticket holder, Wolfpack Club member, all the things that somebody could ask of a fan, and then you come out and say, Well, because you didn't do this thing, you're a bad fan, or I wish you'd go support another team. Like, grow up, man. Like it's just so it's some immature stuff that Nobody's got time for, I mean, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. It's, it's frustrating. I know a lot of people are frustrated with, and I want to express the frustration that a lot of people have reached out to me and said, Hey, that's, that's some nonsense, man. I I, I've been supporting Dave, but I I don't like that. Right. And I agree with y'all. I'm like, it's anyway, On to what happened on the field. right. Let's, let's actually talk about this game a little bit why well, blacked out for 3 team. quarters <laughs> yeah that black virginia tech team is terrible they no but they scored on us which is something i want to talk about but the procedural penalties for virginia tech like oh my god 10 false starts like i was told there's no crowd there so that it couldn't have been the crowd noise that was affecting them 10 false starts like that's that, that's unacceptable they they gave us so many free yards in the game that i was just i was mind blown but I want to talk about. I forgot what I was going to talk about. I don't know. Jack I want to talk about this game. But I forgot Marsh. where I was going with this. Well, yeah, I want to get to MJ. Like, obviously. But, oh, yeah, I was going to go with the offense, right? So we saw what MJ did, but I want to talk, kind of take a step back. Like, is. I got a couple questions. In your opinion, what you saw from the offense in the fourth quarter, was that a product of necessity only? Or what's the right way to phrase this? Like, did they do that only because did they come out throwing a deep because they're behind or was it MJ coming in and not being apprehensive and scared to throw it down the field? Well, I mean, it's like, kind of it two to, things. To run they, the same set. So like, w- what did you see? From that. And and what have people said?
1: I mean, they, they clearly called more pass plays and, you know, I, I hear I, my thing is, is MJ doesn't know. Well, two things either. MJ doesn't know what he doesn't know. Right. So he's just like, I'm going to go through it. I have no risk. Who cares if I throw an interception? I'm down three scores. Right. I got to go do something. So it could be an element of just, you know, he hit two of eight deep balls, right? It's not like he was like 90% out there. Uh, on the deep balls, but it what I thought was impressive was the intermediate passes, intermediate passes, you know, the way he was working um, Thayer and Penix, um, you know, even Timmons, Timmons had one on the sideline that wasn't a deep ball. Like, so he showed a little bit more than just being a pure deep ball threat. Like, I mean, it was just, it was play calling. They just stopped, you know, I guess Philip Danford was pointing out like they kind of cut back on the RPOs. And the RPOs in general are going to be shorter passes just by design. And because of the O line having a limited amount of time to go downfield. So, you know, I mean they they call different they call different plays more frequently in the latter half of that game than they did up front. And you could tell that they shifted from, let's just try to work our way down the field, defense is going to do its job, to we gotta go win this game. Um I mean my my concern is just, is this just going to be only when you get down? Or can you do this from the get-go? Because I'll tell you what, that defense sure as hell looked fired up once we started scoring points. You know, like, it, it takes your toll, right? To to sit there and sell out all game. And I'm sure, like, in some way, as a defensive player, you're like, ah, oh, this is great, man. Look at what we're doing. We're holding to zero. But then the second that dam broke, right, they just, they were just letting it go through. They just could you know, VT came out, they run some un- unbalanced stuff. They just took some shots. It wasn't like anything crazy what they were doing. But then after we scored, it was immediately a change in the energy, right? The linebackers started hitting harder, like Wells and those guys just got unsettled. It was just, it was clearly different. So you like take from it what you can.
0: That was be my question. So, and and I, I believe I talked about, we talked about this in our um, 10 minute take after the game, but do you think the defense performed better after the offense showed some light life?
1: Uh yes. <clears throat> I think they had like did they have negative six yards or something in the Correct. fourth quarter? Yeah. Right? Now they had 47 at half. So marginal improvement, I guess, from that perspective. <laughs> um You know, I think here's the thing. The two things happen, right? Virginia Tech still, like, you know, after we scored the first first one, I think they were still pretty conservative in their offense. I mean, I didn't go back and, it's funny, I rewatched that like two or three times later that night, but I was literally just watching our offense over and over. Um, You know, they, I don't think Virginia Tech tried to go keep pushing it, right? I think Virginia Tech was like, well, we'll coast. They're clearly not going to do that again. And then we did it again. And then we did it again. You know, defense just sure as hell to me, like, just looked different knowing that that knowing that what they were doing mattered, right? That they still had to do their job in order for that comeback to work. And they've been in that kind of situation before, right? They know, they know how to, to play tight in the end of a game. They did it against Pitt. um, Right. You've seen it and kind of saw it against UNC. Right. So it's not like the, this core of this team was unfamiliar with that scenario. Um, But they just, I mean, the linebackers in particular just look fired up. I mean, Thomas and, they or, or Peyton got home, I think, a couple times in that fourth quarter, and just it was it was awesome. Also, it didn't hurt that the the Virginia Tech kick returner was like a fumbling machine.
0: So again, that's that's another one of those uh, that team's terrible. Like I keep coming back to it. like those two plays where that kid, the kick returner, fumbled or I guess they're kick returns, They're kick returns, fumbled them and picked them back up. Like those are huge because they lost them twenty plus yards and pins them deep into their territory, right? And the one, the one that fumbles and bounces right back to the other guy, you're like, oh, come on, that's just that's just ridiculous. But still, they were huge plays because that just you're backed up on an offense that really can't do anything other than make two long plays when your DB falls down. Yeah,
1: and that's the other thing too is like the defense. I mean, that game plan was not conducive to state's defense getting turnovers, right? Like they were not putting the ball in dangerous places. It was deep sidelines, short outs, you know, or to the running back. Like they were not putting the ball in a spot where that secondary could do what it needs to do, right? Like it's going to be different against Wake Forest. Wake Forest is going to push the ball no matter what, right? Um so, you know, that was the other thing is like I just the, probably Dave and the staff is thinking at some point they're going to turn this over. Like we're hitting them so hard. They're they're in so many long you know, third and longs, and it just—they were like, "No, we're just cool. We'll punt." Like they just didn't. It's like Virginia Tech didn't want to score until the third quarter, and they said, "And hey, we might as well screw it around and try to pass forward once."
0: So NC State looked like a terrible team for three quarters of that game, like terrible two, offense. I, again, two
1: thirds of it looked like a good team, though. <laughs> I mean, like you gotta—you like, gotta specify. Really? The defense looked really good for most of that game.
0: Okay, defense looked good against a very bad team. Punters were great. The offense looked terrible. What going into Wake Forest? What are you expecting? Like, I, from I'm going to get real specific real quick here for a second. I think MJ Morris at some point is going to come back down to earth. Like, we can't. Ex- I just want to temper everybody's expectations. While he looked good and he made some plays you can't expect a kid to come out against a better team and perform that well. Like I just, I'm not expecting him. I'm expecting it to him to make some mistakes. Wakes is well coached. They're going to scheme some things up that are trying to, trying to confuse him. So I, I'm not expecting him to be a world beater again. I, what I do like is that he played fearlessly and was willing to throw the jump ball. He was willing to throw those balls and get PIs and, You know, makes some tough attempts or tough challenges, right? He he did some things that we have been too afraid to do. I've said this earlier. I thought Leary had playing tight all year. I think he was trying to chase that interception number from last year, 35 and three. And, you know, you do that by not taking any risks. And, you know, that's his deep balls are all long, zero chance of getting intercepted. Like, and, you know, his – he took his, lot, his check down a lot and the easy first read. So I think Morris comes back to earth a little bit at some point. I don't know if it's a Wake Forest game, but I just want everybody to uh, to have some, I mean, I don't know, like to just temper your expectations because he's he's a freshman and he's going to do freshman things, but the upside is what got everybody excited The fact that he was willing to take shots and they were throwing it down the field. But what are you expecting from, let's say, let's take it in pieces, the defensive side. How do you expect them to play Wake Forest? I don't expect Wake Forest to have the same performance they did against Louisville, turning it over eight times in the second half. But Louisville showed you that you can disrupt the mesh if you can win up front, right? And and you've said it before, you stay disciplined in the back end. And win up front, and that really, you know, pigeonholes what Wake Forest is trying to do. So, what do you expect them from defensively from this team? Is it going to be are they going to hold them to negative six yards, or is it going to be, you know, a little <laughs> bit more offensive um, uh, prowess there?
1: Well, yeah, I'll talk about it in a second. I want to say on on MJ, like the I think it's the positives were he was very calm in the pocket. Um, yes, Philip Danford broke down this one pot passing concept, uh, which I cannot remember what the name of it is now is that basically it has, it beats three coverages and just each route is a certain coverage beater. And he chose the right one. Every time we ran it three times in the third quarter, or fourth quarter, one was a big pass play. One was a touchdown air, and one was another big play to Penix. Right. So that tells me he knows how to read what he's seeing and choose the right person. So, now, they did try to confuse him a little bit. He almost threw a pick to Penix because of that. Um, so I think they're going to be working on that all week to get, hit some of these checkdowns that were open because of the way he's passing it. So there is some hope there. We'll, we'll get on that later, but I just wanted to say that before I forgot. Like I, He could be consistent going forward. Um, I hope so. So I just rewatched mm-hmm. the 2020 state weight game, and I just watched three quarters of the Louisville game. Um, And I didn't have time to watch the 2021 weight game, but I asked Philip Danford like what he saw in that game that was different than normal. Um, And so when I was watching the 2020 game, it looked like we were a lot of times in single high um, with the safeties. We weren't blitzing like crazy like I was expecting. Um, But it was a game where Peyton Wilson, it was – like just a real key like off the edge like you can see what athleticism does to the wake forest um not just to the match but to their o-line and everything like they're blocking everything gets kind of disrupted if there's any amount of speed coming by them and so you watch that game back we were like mixing it up a lot in coverages we weren't as crazy in the blitzes i did not get to go back and watch the 2021 tape which i you know, but what Philip said was um, they killed us on third downs in particular. They were mixing up um, a lot of our coverages. Um, he said we were like kind of like all over the place. We were in two-man more than we were any time in the season, and we were uh, in cover zero. We were just mixing it up. He said on third down he had Wake Forest converting eight of 12 when State was coverage-oriented, a.k.a. no blitz, and he had them five of seven because of two penalties – or sorry, five of nine when we did blitz. So it was kind of like you're screwed no matter what on third down. But what I want to go back and look in that game is what we did in first and second, because I feel like we were blitzing a lot more off the edge
0: um, with the DBs. But I remember that too. I remember we didn't get home. Yeah, it it was. Yeah,
1: there there was a lot of pressure, but it's like when he like Sam Hartman, basically, if you come off the, the corner or D you know, nickel or whoever comes in at him And he, he will just throw it to wherever they vacated. Um, and it's almost always like a, (laughs) if it's AT Perry, it's almost always like a 30, about 25, about 30 to 45 yard pass. He just launches it up. And a lot of times they're underthrown because Sam Hartman has a water pistol of an arm. Um, he's not that talented. A lot of times he's like throwing off his back foot. So I guess it kind of makes sense. Maybe when he's planted, he's better, but. You know, so what I saw with Louisville when I was watching that game was, like first, early on in the game, the their defensive line was twisting a lot, which seemed, you know, at least with the two interior guys, and that seemed to be causing some problems. But what I noticed is a couple things. One, on all their blitzes and pressures that were successful, they were basically containing the pocket and collapsing it. So they weren't running by on one side. They weren't getting overloaded it was the two edge, whoever, even if they twisted out to it, the edge guys were keeping the pocket in check. And so if they were blitzing, either delayed blitz or a blitz off the corner at the running back, it was keeping the pocket small. Sam was stuck in it. And oftentimes they were keeping their, they would get close, have their hands up, and either they would strip him, disrupt it, you know, or he'd get the pass off like he he normally does. The other thing I noticed was they have a cornerback, Louisville does, and they were just putting him on the line. Like he was the fourth or fifth guy on the line. And he was just sprinting by their tackle and causing all sorts of problems for for them. So, you know, it was just simple speed, right? And so when I watched that, I kept thinking to myself, well, boy, like Peyton Wilson in the 2020 game, did similar things, so I expect him to have a big game. But it's going to be really interesting to see if we pull any of our DBs just literally down off the defensive end and say, just go, just go blitz around the corner and see if you can get around this guy, um, because that caused a ton of problems for them. And then once you get Sam Hartman making mistakes, did it in the Mayo Bowl. He did it against us last year. He started throwing a lot of picks. Did it against Pitt. You know, it's Wisconsin just
0: Wisconsin like, a few years ago.
1: Yeah, in the Mayo. Yeah, in that Mayo. I think it was the Mayo Bowl. Like he. It's like if you get him disrupted, he's bad. He's he just melts down, um, and that's gonna be the key, right? Like the crowd needs to be loud. State needs to be careful with how they blitz him. But as long as everyone's sitting there, kind of containing that pocket, we like we messed him up. Delayed blitzes will get him coming up the the gut. Um, I don't know, I man. Louisville. Louisville was just insistent upon how they were gonna blitz him. And they were just throwing speed and their guys aren't that big too. So that was also kind of interesting. Like a lot of their guys, when the guys that were actually getting home to him were DBs, then linebackers, like their, their D line's not that huge. I'm I'm curious if they're going to be a similar problem for us um, based on like what we've seen with um, this twist earlier in the year with Clemson and I think maybe FSU. So I don't know. That's, I'll, I'll take a break here, but
0: there's hope. I think one of the differences that we'll see in this year versus last year, especially, is Tyler Baker Williams healthy, Cyrus Cyrus Fagan's healthy, Peyton Wilson's healthy. We didn't have all those guys last year. I think that makes a big difference. <clears throat> especially if you look at like we were talking about in the chat today, who's gonna who they gonna put on A.T. Perry? And I think it might be Baker Williams, what Virginia Tech did was pull their tight end out into out out wide, and Baker Williams followed him. And I wonder if Baker uh, Baker Williams size and just ball skills in general and consistency is what they're gonna basically is he gonna play corner? Right? Battle struggle against Virginia Tech. Are they going to? You know, lean on Baker Williams to basically cover AT Perry. I think that that's gonna be one of the matchups there. I, I don't know. Uh, the I was gonna say Derek Pitts because he's physical and he's you know, he'll hang on him and punch him and do whatever he needs to to play defense. But then Pitts only played one snap in this Virginia Tech game and it was on special teams. It was really strange. We were talking about it in the chat, like as. Did Pitts play? And I was like, I swear I saw him. And I did. I saw him on the one tackle he made on the one play he was in for special teams. And I was like, what in? that's strange. So I don't know what's going on there. So it that matching up with Wake's wide receivers is going to be an interesting one. Like Aiden White's been our best corner all year, but is he physical enough to match up with Pitts? I mean, with um AT Perry. I don't know. It's gonna be that's gonna be the one that. I see, but the the defense being healthy for the most part. I know they lost Savion Jackson for the year, but the rest of the defense in the back being healthy is going to be huge in being able to actually defend Wake's offense.
1: Well, like here's the thing, too. The reason I went back and watched that 2020 game because I was like, well, the defense was healthier, so I wanted to see what more of those guys on the field meant versus the 2021 game where you had like seven guys out at that point um Tyler Baker Williams I don't believe played that game I'm sure that Fagan was out you know obviously no Peyton Wilson yada 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 um but I went back and watched that 2020 game and uh let's see we had Malik will or uh we had um Malik Dunlap was in the game a lot and we had uh uh Rakeem Ashford (laughs) was playing significant snaps and a lot of times I can't remember if he was on Perry or on Green but he was getting just torched um to the sidelines a lot like you know you know that was a guy that was just coming out of juco ball and um what clearly wasn't ready i think you know but so you go back and watch that game but you can see like what the the front six was doing uh you know we obviously don't have a daniel joseph right now so you're gonna have to hope that um god who's the defensive end that uh is replacing Savion right now um price Dawkins, price Clark, who knows? I can't. Dawkins is
0: at South Carolina.
1: I know. That's how bad my my brain was fritzing there. Um
0: Devin Van, Travale yeah, Price.
1: So so Joseph had a, a pretty decent game. He kind of cleaned up a lot of stuff late in that game. Um but a lot of the core was there. Uh so it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting, right? Because like I felt like a lot of last year's problems and a lot of the aggression we were seeing on defense last year was because we were down all those starters and Tony knew he had limited bullets with the defensive line, right? We had all kinds of injuries and, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess if it gets out of control, you'll see a lot of cramps on Saturday um, for sure. But yeah, I mean, I just, I think they're going to try to to see if anything can be replicated from that game plan. Um, you know, Louisville had a lot of three down sets in that game too um, that I noticed that Sometimes we're successful as well. So, I mean, it's just kind of one of those games where, <laughs> I mean, just don't be overly insanely blitz heavy off the corner. And I'll I tell you, I'll tell fine. you what
0: concerns me. And it's not necessarily the personnel, but I've seen it before with this team or the staff is when a team like Wake loses a game a week or two before we play them, we, and we like, we've said it in our press conference before we saw what so-and-so did. We tried to do it and it didn't work. This is what concerns me is that they they see what Louisville did try to replicate it, but wakes like, you know, Clawson and them are not stupid. They're going to try to fix the issues that Louisville exploited, but we're going to sit here and pretend like, Hey, maybe they're not going to fix them. And we're going to do the same thing. Like it's happened before with the staff. And that is my concern. Like, yeah. hey, we'll just do what Louisville did. And then you come out and you can't do what Louisville did. You don't know what to do.
1: I Well, I mean, I my, my thing is, is like, you're limited because your personnel is not the same. But the three down is probably going to, like I was saying, kind of hold up the pocket in some way. And then you're probably going to see a lot of Blake or uh, Drake and Peyton coming off the edges, is my guess. Um, you know, we didn't have peyton last year and i feel like that was kind of the reason why you saw that now when we played them in 2020 we would go single high and we would bring i think it was Jake and harris was coming in a lot of times yeah. down into the box um and that really never really hurt us but at the same time like they were taking the same kind of vertical shots they were back then as well so and frankly like their wide receiver course better today than it was then but their running back room is worse in my opinion um they they've got a younger running back back there that was causing was struggling with Louisville and all Louisville was doing was just running, just pile driving into him and putting their hands up. Um, you know, they don't have Kenneth Walker, who they had in 2020. I don't think they have Beal Smith anymore, if I remember correctly. I think he transferred out. Um, you know, so it's 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 really gonna be a game of can the can the secondary hold up? Can we avoid getting bullshit pass interference penalties on us when they're just clearly under throwing balls to get them? um and you know can we We, just storm? they will score points in this game you know unless you turn them over fast early um so you just gotta kind of be patient but
0: i I don't know uh, let me let me interrupt you for a second sure the when did wake forest wide receivers turn into duke basketball (laughs) like in the eyes of the officials wake forest can do no wrong their receivers get pi calls like Duke gets charge calls, and it's unbelievable. Like the rest, they did everything they could to screw Louisville in that first half of the game. Yeah, like I was like, Louisville's got no chance. That everything is every call has gone against them, and they were just blatantly bad. The the one touchdown that yeah. wasn't that should have been a touchdown. They called it a touchdown. You're like, how do you miss that? The ball's in the ground. It's unbelievable. Well, that reminds like you that- said, Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, in 2020, right, we strip them early in the game. Like, we yeah. clearly come up with a ball. Like, there's no doubt. They review it, and then somehow they're like, nope, wake guys the ball. You know, it's just, <laughs> I don't know, man. The review process in general, just in college, drives me insane. Um, you know, I, I, I can't understand it. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, are the refs just tired? And they're just like, ah, oh, we'll just let them have it. Like, if we give them this, if we throw this flag, it'll buy us 30 seconds of breathing. While we uh, discuss the penalty, like, it wouldn't surprise me if there was some element of that when in these weight games. Um, but here's the thing, man—they're fucking good at it. At Perry, like you're gonna watch it, man—he's gonna be running down the sideline and he's just gonna have his arm out like this, which you guys can't see, and then he's gonna be catching it over here one-handed or trying to catch it one-handed because he's got a great wingspan. And like that's where—that's why it's important to have really big guys occasionally. Like he's six-five. There are other guys I think are like six-two-ish. So it's gonna be some some mismatches, anyways. But they're not trotting Keon Lassane out there, right? Who, even when he tries to do that, it's like you know two thirds of what AT Perry can do, you know. And they play, they just they play to it, they they scheme to it, and that's why I said like I just don't like giving them that easy shot. I just don't think that blitz off the corner really is worth it. I don't think it ever really translates. You rarely get home. You have a much better chance of getting home with a DB on the on the line of scrimmage than you do with one screaming off five or seven yards away. It just it hardly ever works.
0: So you mentioned Wake Forest is clearly going to score some points. Is NC State going to score some points? Yeah, I think so. I mean <laughs> touchdowns? I mean we can't stop scoring touchdowns as far as I'm concerned now. <laughs> um so yeah, I mean, bring this hold on bring this back to the very first topic. MJ Morris ability to throw a touchdown or throw a deep ball or throw a pass with some touch on it, like all of that has brought newfound optimism to, like the fans. Right, there's there's hope. Offense equals hope. I've been saying it all year. Offense equals hope. Every time James Henderson texts me and we go back and forth about it, offense is hope. And if you don't have any offense, you don't have your hope. But MJ brings you hope, right? And MJ brings you hope that you can score some points and the stadium will be packed and it will be loud and it will be all those things. Sorry. Back to my initial question. Are we gonna score some points?
1: Yeah, I mean I think we will. I mean, Wake Forest isn't like a scary defense by any means. Um they have some smaller players. They have a they yeah, I think they have a defensive tackle that's from that came from like Richmond, maybe like University of Richmond, I think is what it was. Um like they've got some undersized guys in there. And they I think a couple of them got dinged up in the, the UL game too. I'd be curious. I couldn't see their depth chart or what their injury report is. Um nonsense anyway. Dave well Dave Clausen historically also as Kate equally as cagey as Dave Doran is. Um like my thing with my thing with MJ is it's clear that his passes were at least accurate. Like there were there were plays that were open and and Jack Chambers was making the correct read and then he was air mailing the ball, right? Or it was late. And some argument could be, well, he's shorter, or he wasn't seeing it, or he's having to hold it longer to get, you know, get a glance in the pocket, whatever, right? So I think MJ is going to move the ball fine. I don't, there's, I mean, honestly, there's no defensive juggernaut in the back half of this schedule at this point. But Virginia Tech was probably it, just, just because they have a DC for a head coach, right? And you know that they're going to be focused on that sort of thing. Um, you know, my thing is... It, MJ reminds me a lot of Jamie Newman, like not a dynamic runner, a very head full of steam. I think you said like very Jacoby Brissett ish. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like against certain opponents, Jacoby Brissett looks incredibly athletic and can get guys, you know, <laughs> yeah. he can twist people up, right? I mean, he there was some pack on pack crime, I think, last night when he like uh, pump faked Jermaine Pratt into the air and then just like sidestepped and made a little yeah. toss, you know, Jacoby still got it. And so, you know, the only thing that worries me is there, you're going to have that kind of QB power run or counter run game that you saw against VT. And there's a lot of times where he gets kind of stood up and starts, he like gets turned around and falls backwards and then gets hit really hard in his back. And that's where I'm kind of worried. Like I, they're going to have to keep using that element of the game. Because I think it's going to be there against Wake Forest, but you know, I, I'm just worried about more about his durability if he keeps taking shots like that. But you know, like just go back and look at the passes he made. If you can go back and either just quickly watch like a Cylon Wolf cut of the game, I don't know if anyone has just all of it. MJ's passes, but the the ones in the seam, the ones down the sideline, the ones just on the out passes, like it's accurate, it's sharp, the ball gets there. There's no reason to think he's going to struggle unless he gets confused. And right. like I said earlier, he can, I mean, that one concept that had three different plays inside of it for different coverages, he <laughs> navigated it fine. It's I, I'm sure there are going to be more checkdowns this. <laughs> sorry. Hey, check your mic.
0: Hit your mic button. I don't know what happened there. I'm sorry. I sneezed and hit the wrong button. Oh. It's not mine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's going to be a thrilling 15 seconds of audio. Sorry about um, that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they're going to move the ball. I mean, it, here, here's what was great. Like, Penix, it was weird. Penix comes back, and I don't think they threw the ball at him until the third quarter. And and maybe even it was the fourth. Um, but you saw what he could do in the red zone. Like, yeah. that was a very similar play to what we did against Clemson with Zebra. And it just looked more dynamic. Um, so that's the other thing is he's got more weapons to work with. And Jesus Christ, I hope they play Timmons a lot more in this game. Like, do we have to keep doing this
0: Lusane experiment? Did they play Timmons because that's who AMJ is throwing to in practice?
1: That's my theory. I mean, well, I here's the thing, right? right? They, they had been, I think like two or three games ago, there was Scuttlebutt that he was doing a good job and they were going to start working him in. And you did see him. Uh, in at times, um, but I think there clearly was a comfort and connection. And he obviously, out of all the wide receivers, except for maybe him and Thayer, kind of someone he just looks like he can, can contort his body to where the ball is coming. Like he he just looks like a better natural athlete than like a like a Devin Carter is more physical. I feel like um, and doesn't really change his body to catch a ball. While Timmons looked like you know, like a cat in midair, just kind of flipping around and catching it. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, you just got to feature a guy like that. Like, I'm not worried about him from a blocking perspective, you know, like any, no. and the thing is like, I think he's a little bit, he's someone, maybe it was an IPS pod, but he's like Anthony. He's a little bit like Anthony Smith, but can catch a little bit more reliably. And he's and it kind of just gives me hope that assuming Anthony Smith comes back healthy next year, having them two on the field at the same time, is exciting to me. You know, that's that's something to look forward to, but
0: I, I don't still want more Julian Gray and Michael Allen. Like Well, that's the thing Tucker I don't Diner understand. Guys.
1: Like I don't I don't get why Julian Gray is on the outside. Yeah. I but here's the thing, just put Julian Gray in and run sweeps. Like the dude what, 3 times this year they've run a jet sweep with him and he looks dead to rights and then he gets 8 yards. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like he's good. Um they did some speed option stuff with with MJ too mm-hmm. that I was like, man, I don't know if you could come up with a way to in- integrate Julian Gray into that. I-, I like what I see there. Um Michael Allen's just so weird to me. I don't understand why I I just don't get why DeMarcus Jones is playing. Like, like
0: they even referenced Michael Allen in the in the press conference, talking about his um his burst and his next level speed or however, however they said I'm like the hell is that guy not in the game at, at all? Like at all. Put him in blocking. the game. My guess is it's blocking. Yeah, give some rat's ass. Like, get the I get mean, the ball. you will when MJ gets blown up. <laughs> <laughs> just give the ball. Get him in the game at some point. I think MJ stood out to me in a lot of a lot of areas that provided excitement. I thought he had he threw some throws with touch. He didn't just rip them in there like some the of screen passes. He was willing to stay in the pocket, stepped up in the pocket and wait till the last second to throw the deep ball. Now he missed a couple of reads of the one, the one he threw in the triple covers to Thayer. I believe it was or Lassane. Yeah. He had Dexter Carter wide open. Yeah. And it was Penix. It was Penix. No, no. Yes. On the top there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
1: So Penix was running this route. They, they were in one high, I think one higher cover zero. And then they rolled everything over. And there was two places. He could have gone up to the corner for a touchdown, yeah. or he could have thrown it to Jordan Houston who Who's had maybe open. 20 yards. Yeah. No one was near him and he could have probably scored a touchdown. So that's what I was saying. Like they're going to work that. Cause you wake's going to see that wake's going to try to confuse them back there. Just fine. If you're going to waste all your time in the back with gimmicks, hit the underneath stuff. It'll be there.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. But he, his willingness to, to make those throws, his willingness to step up in the pocket, take, Take some time and let it go downfield. To me, was really exciting. He'll, you know, he'll he'll get better on getting those checks. He'll get coached up. Does nil but, checks?
1: It's hey, better better pay this dude.
0: Uh yeah. So, uh, we got some questions here. I want to get through. Are we going to talk about the Devin Leary conference? Yeah,
1: I didn't. I I just saw that it happened. So I I mean. I, I don't know, was there anything in there? I'm no, guessing it wasn't. There's not nothing middle. in there.
0: He said four to six months, right? And Why was he that's doing whole, that? I don't know. I, I I don't know. And he said he was unsure about its future, blah, blah, blah. I, I was gonna put this in a what, twenty minute take, but I never put it out there because Leary called this press conference, but there's no way he's around next year. Like, zero, zero chance. I mean, if you're asking me, is does definitely return? Like, this is no inside information. This is speculation. I've seen guys in the same position before. They just go pro, right? They just, they're going to go to camp. Assuming he rehabs four months, puts him right about, you know, early next year. If he gets his arm strength back he'll go to one of these pro days and he'll wow some people on his deep throws. Like he did last year and somebody's gonna take a flyer on him. They're going to tell him, Hey, you know, you're our guy, you know, fourth round or whatever. And he'll go and he should, I have yeah. no, no bones about that. Like, I don't think he's transferring. I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense unless he doesn't rehab in time. And but even he feels like he can get some run somewhere else. Maybe like, I, I don't know. But it's a peck, not a shoulder. Yeah.
1: Right? It, it's a muscle he, thing. he yeah. threw for Pro Day last year, and all yeah. the scouts saw what they wanted to see. Like I said like, it again last time. Those scouts can go back and say, wow, hell of a great stat sheet, and all you had was Mecca Emezi and Thayer Thomas and Devin Carter. Well, we got everyone is better <laughs> at yeah. this level, right? You yeah. know, I hate to say it, but that's the truth. and. You know, I, I mean, I think he's going pro. I just, just I think go so draft. Too. Why, yeah. why play another? You are going to get drafted. I get, unless he gets horrific feedback. You know, yeah. but he could sit there and be like, you know what? They surrounded me by bums. They called terrible game plans. I did not. It, like, they just were not featuring me the way they told it. You know, go back and look at the spring game. Right? Yeah. Go hear all the chatter from fall camp.
0: You know? He's, and those guys are watching practice, too. The scouts are watching practice. Like, I have some friends that are scouts. they They know what he can do and what he's doing in practice and who he's throwing to and all those things like it's where would he even transfer? That makes sense. Wisconsin. No. Can you, can you imagine like Graham Mertz is gone? They got to, they're going to have a new coach. Can you imagine if he goes to Wisconsin and instead just of scheduling Tennessee,
1: they should have scheduled Wisconsin, but they're cowards. They'd rather yeah. have an L than go have, you know, a rivalry grudge match. You know, yeah, right. A Dave Doran yeah. um, testing ground, and uh, right. I don't know. The only team that even makes sense to me is like Penn State.
0: like could be right. Sean Clark right? could be gone. There's there's He's a lot in. of there's a lot of options. I think if he were to explore that option, I don't think um, he'd go to an
1: SEC team. I'll tell you that right now.
0: Uh, why would you? Why would you go this, to
1: a harder defensive conference?
0: Yeah, I'll go to Missouri. A, like you know, drink connection.
1: To, man, you'll get hit too much.
0: You're be better off going to Arizona or one of those West Coast schools. I'm trying to think who else is...
1: Well, if he wants to party, for sure.
0: Yeah, Arizona State. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: USC, man. No, that won't work either.
0: No, Caleb Williams will still be there. Or is he gone? I don't know.
1: He'll probably go to, probably go to UNC after Drake May just sits out for the uh, next year. Oh, 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 wow. That'd be great.
0: But yeah, like... <sighs> Larry's Le- not coming back. Like, I just... Even the few minutes I saw of his press conference today, it's like, ah, I'm uncertain about my future. Like you're not, you're not. As long as your rehab goes semi close to schedule and there's no major setbacks, he's gone. Like it's, it just seems so done, weird that as he should be like, I'm not blaming him all. I think he absolutely should, but he scheduled if- this. Yeah. That's so weird. It, it was very strange. The whole thing was strange.
1: You know, it's not it's not senior day this week. BC. But BC is, right? He's walking. I bet that's why. I bet he didn't want to be a distraction next week. Figured that's he could slide it in maybe this week. Um and then they can say, "Oh, well, now he, he was, you know, he said last week he's unsure and that's why he's doing it." I don't know if they if he mentioned it in his press presser or
0: time. MJ is going to throw for five tutties this week and people are going to be like, "Glory who?" and he doesn't want to be forgotten.
1: I mean, it's just as likely he throws like one and four this week, you know, like, I mean, this is so eerily similar to me to that Leary BC game where he came in and the difference was that the defense could actually hold up this time. Right. And then he came out the next week. It was Wake Forest for his first start and on the, but that was on the road and it was like, pick, pick, pick.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Wake's going to do different things, right? They're not stupid. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Wake, one of the questions, we're going to lose this Wake game. We're going to lose this Wake game annually. Didn't mean lose it. Just going to mean we're not playing this game because of divi- they're getting rid of divisions. Are we sad to see it go? And I'm going to say no. All right. nope. Wake Forest, I'd love for them to get relegated to somewhere else.
1: Uh, I will miss it from the crap talk that my brother gives me, um, which is which is wonderful. Um, but no, I we're going to get them every two years. That's fine enough for me, man.
0: Even if Dave Clawson is not there, I don't even care who the next guy is going to be. They're still going to be annoying. Like, the fans are annoying. The coaches are annoying. Yeah. Everything about the damn program is annoying.
1: I couldn't. Uh, why would they ever stop what they're doing, right? Yeah. They'll just promote Rogério or whatever his name is. Or, you know, Dave Clauston's going to be there forever, right? Like, <sighs> perfect job security. It's funny. I was reading some wake um, uh, SB Nation pages today talking about the, the Louisville game. And they were like, oh, we got to move on from Hartman. We got to move on from this slow mesh. And I'm like, uh, brothers, like the yeah. only reason you were even sniffing the top 10 is because of that slow mesh. And that thing is going to, the next guy that comes in there is going to do the same thing. It's just like with Longos. It's like, once you got a thing that works, it works. And it'll probably be better for them, actually, once they're out of the division, right? Because then they're going to have the advantage of, everyone doesn't play me every single year. You know, right. they're, it's six, op- you know, you'll have two opponents They're going to see you all the time, not six. And I think that's, I think that's going to go a long ways or seven. I don't even know how many we got in this stupid league anymore.
0: Who's got the higher upside, Devin Leary or MJ Morris? I mean, I'm going to say Devin Leary. I mean,
1: he's a known commodity right now for me. Um, If, if third slash fourth quarter MJ is consistent, then sure. He's got the upside at that point. I'm a sucker for anyone that throws a catchable deep ball. Yeah, like M- you know what MJ I mean? Morrison,
0: He's... Jamie Chadwell's offense is going to be awesome. Don't talk. <laughs> Dude. Don't talk sexy to me. Don't do it.
1: When Dave Doran leaves at the end of the season and blames the fans that left the game, and we get Jamie Chadwell, I'm going to be through the roof.
0: It, it's funny. Somebody texted me after, I guess it was after the Dave's presser. Maybe it was after the game. At some point, it's in like Dave's Dave's teaming us up to leave, isn't he? And I was like, uh, maybe. Like he better finish strong. If that's all I'm saying. You better finish strong if you want to get yeah. out of here. I mean, you if you lose the, I mean, like
1: I can't imagine we lose BC, but we almost lost the Virginia Tech, right? But it, you know, if you finish the season losing to Wake, UL, and UNC, right, like. After shit talking the fans, the fans are gonna have receipts.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. Somebody was talking about the six and two comment. Oh, we're six and two. Like, well, you could have lost to Florida State. You could have lost to ECU. You could have lost to Virginia Tech. Like, this could be not six and two real quick. It's a very fine line. As far as I'm concerned, you're you're.
1: I still think attributing the Florida State game to Jack is a little. That's questionable, but. As far as I'm concerned, you're two and one right now. And you were almost one and two. Yeah. And, you know, everything that happened Leary and earlier this season just it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Because you're getting a preview of what next year what, what you're building to. I mean, next year's yeah. a reset year. And I don't know how many players you can really transfer in. Like, I don't know. What well, here let's keep going to questions. i Yeah. Would you
0: would you prefer we took the Russell Wilson patch off of MJ's jersey until he stops doing high knees on the plane? <laughs> like I, did you I'm sure you heard that story russell Wilson was, was God, rehabbing God. on the team plane, and everybody else is sleeping and he's doing high knees down the aisle so you're like, what a tool bag did he yeah. did he did he
1: play? Cause that was a they were in the u k so i I missed that would have been the early game right yeah yeah um yeah i was I was like man, I gotta go back and actually see what uh what happened in that game. Because after that came out, there was a great video of like America. What was it? It was like America's, um, aerobics champions or something like that. <laughs> it was like something from the eighties, and they were like, "This is what they looked like." Okay, they at least beat the Jaguars. Thank God. Um, Eighteen of 52, one touchdown, one interception. Man, what what is happening to this guy? Um, yeah. No, leave the patch on, man. Like I, I, I'm glad they do that um i still wish wish russell wilson would come back and be more involved i wish we could truly bury the
0: hatchet i just busy donating to wisconsin uh what would you feel if state went 10 and 2 went to the orange bowl and retained the entire staff for next year whatever man that
1: means tim beck started throwing the ball down the field and learned like if we went 10 (laughs) games i'm i'm repeating the same formula at that point right like i mean i if I get to keep Tony Gibson and all the defensive staff, hell yeah. G- give me some more. Or we can make it work. Um, yeah. I mean, the only way we win the next UL Louisville, UNC and wake are clearly going to be shootout games. Right. So if you went 10 and two in this stretch mm-hmm. and did that, yeah, man, you can't, you can't be mad at that point.
0: This is not a question. It it's a comment and I saved it because I thought it was good. Uh, it's doubly frustrating given that the offense was an issue at points last year, and the coaching staff did not, did very little to try and mitigate the issue heading into a season with a team that you, as a coaching staff, build as special. Like, it sums it up pretty well. That was well said. Like, that is, you know, talk about frustrations, right? The, the core of this frustration is, is exactly that. Like, you feel you, you're rolling out the same thing, and people are frustrated. So, yeah, you get it.
1: They, yeah, they probably weren't going to be ready. As far as the staff is concerned. But after the ECU game, I would have, knowing what you know now, just give me Ant Smith, Julian Gray, Timmins, and just make them a significant part of the offense yeah. with Carter. Uh,
0: there's another one. Another one, Yeah, not Keep a it question. rolling.
1: I got soccer, man. Uh, you got time.
0: <laughs> I think the problem everyone sees is the ceiling that Dave Dorn and Tim Beck's preferred style play, eight, nine wins being a fringe top 25 team. And no real threat to win a conference championship because it lets its inferior teams hang around when they should put out put them out of their misery. Like, yeah, I agree with that. Um, it doesn't have to be the way. That's well, the problem. <laughs> I, this is another. This is question probably for a longer time, so I'm not going to ask it. But it's uh, something we've talked about quite often. I'm going to skip over it for now. How can, how can the red and white channel influence decision makers for what we desire to football to be outcome? I have no idea. Uh, the only best way I know is for everybody to talk about it, right? If enough people are willing to express their displeasure, right? Vote with their wallets, vote with their butts in the seats. That's how, that's how it comes, right? Uh, what coaches or coaches what coaches or coach impresses you the most right now when you watch their team and evaluate their program? That's a good question. Um, well, I, I well Sonny I Dykes. Sonny Dykes. Out, yeah, <laughs> it's like Sonny like Dykes out kicking his coverage right there at TCU right now, uh, winning four top twenty-five games to the top two of the top current top eighteen. That's an easy one. Uh, Lincoln Riley, whether he's doing it USC in a short period of time. That's an easy one. They're really good. We've talked about my love for Utah and that program, even though they've had kind of an up and down year.
1: That's just NC State
0: right? And I don't know. I mean, there's, there's there's a lot of teams like Kalen DeBoer at Washington. I think he's just getting started there, and he's doing good things, and they're going to be. They're they're competitive right now. I mean, I think there's a lot of teams. I'm trying to think like schematically. Who do I really like? I just come back to like Chadwell. Or uh, shit, Hugh Freeze up at Liberty. That guy's – he's got – he's 7-1 and with a one-point loss to Wake Forest. He's, he's doing good things. Tulane. You mean uh, Auburn's Hugh Freeze? Yeah, Auburn's Hugh Freeze. Really Fritz at Tulane. Uh, and the guy that I liked, who was Fritz's offensive coordinator, who went to SMU, Will Hall, who is now has SMU five and three this year. In I think it's his second year, and that's pretty good. That's pretty good for SMU because they've been really bad for the last few years. I, and I I liked his concepts and what he's done. I mean, you gotta like um, Klein at K State, right? They're they're playing strong somehow they're a home dog to Texas a week. that That's been interesting, but, you know, they just beat the pants off of number eight OSU 48, nothing or something like that. So there's a, there's quite a few out there. I, you know, I just, these guys have a history of doing it. If you look at the coaches, you know, Harson just got fired at Auburn. And my comment on that is everybody's successful at Boise state. If you go back and look at their program, they have one, season in the last 40 years less than seven wins they have 9 10 11 wins every year and it's wild it goes all the way back to dirt cutter everybody's successful there so if you're hiring somebody from that program it's a crapshoot because that program is self-sustaining but if you look at a guy like we've talked about lipold or klein or uh chadwell or these other guys they have done it at places that have historically not been you know football, juggernauts, or powerhouses. That's how I look at that's how I evaluate. We've talked about this with basketball too. That's how I evaluate coaches. Are you winning? Where are you winning and how are you doing it? All right? You're not doing it with just superior talent. Like we figured out what's what Kevin Keats does or did at Wilmington. He won with superior talent in a bad league and yeah, can't get that talent and not winning. Did so did you
1: realize that Coastal is playing UVA on the 19th? In football yeah,
0: no. I knew Coastal was playing App State this weekend. I didn't realize they were playing UVA.
1: Yeah, November nineteenth, and that's uh, a
0: weird late season game.
1: I know. That's what I was just thinking. Very odd game to like put that right before your your rival rivalry week <laughs> game. Um, man, speech speech
0: therapist, getting me there. Um, what do you think? What do you think is uh, next evolution of the game? Have you considered how offense or style could change the next few years? That's an interesting question. Everything old you're... is new again. At some point, we're going to come back to the I formation running fullbacks. Right, there's always going to be somebody who's going to be an outlier.
1: Uh, yeah, but the thing is, like, that's like, you know how to kill that.
0: So, yeah, go look at what's what I mean? happening at Texas high school football, right? There's there's a high school team down there that's going to show you the next offense.
1: Yeah, um, I think, um, I mean, I, I think you're going to see, the, like, with Fritz and with Coastal in Kansas, like, a lot more option concepts movement right it, i mean just yeah, I you're probably just not going to see very many static type things that aren't going to be causing lots of decision points for the defense like it's just going to be whatever defensive coordinators hate that's what's going to start coming and being more positive or more present
0: yeah i mean if you we've we've said it a million times you be you're successful by stressing stressing the defenses with discipline concepts because you're trying to make college kids who are not disciplined discipline. That's why the option doesn't work in the NFL because those guys are pros right? And they do their job and there's what they're supposed to do. But in college you can exploit the safety. who doesn't know his responsibilities or, or you know, where he's supposed to be. And that's what teams are. That's what these successful teams are doing. They're stressing defenses with, you know, these formations and making your defenses defensive players make decisions. I think that's that's how you win these days. All right, last question. I know you got to go. What would you constitute a successful season for the basketball team this year? Oh, my God. Um, the
1: NCAA tournament. I, I don't think I asked too much. Um, this, over is, 500, this is an easy question. Over 500 in the ACC. Getting past several games in the ACC tournament. And getting to the NCAA
0: tournament. The NCAA tournament is the in- end answer. Not being on the bubble for the NCAA tournament. No, that's asking in, too much. No, not being on the bubble. Or Keats is fired. Those are my two answers. Like, either one, successful to me. Because I I don't like the guy. I don't think he runs a good program. And if somehow he regresses to the mean and goes 500 in a league, that's not impressive to me. He's got to be in the tournament, not on the bubble. or. You know, find a new basketball coach. Yeah. I mean, you've got multiple centers this year, so hopefully that lasts, you know. but I will say I can't wait for all the super fans to pack the PNC arena for all these early season basketball games. I know there's going to be 19,000 super fans packed into the PNC, ready to roll, supporting this team, trusting the coaching staff. Just going all for it. This is the year. Can I just say this? You don't get penalized (laughs) for
1: losses in basketball anymore. Why not schedule better teams and have sellouts and have fun games? Who cares if you lose? I I, I just don't understand the scheduling philosophy in basketball. I just don't get
0: it. November seventh, Austin P. November eleventh, Campbell, FIU, Elon, William and Mary. Woo, let's can go. And we have a chance up. to play Manny Bates. Manny Bates uh, in the Atlantis tournament, I guess, is a oh, chance. Man, I hope we beat that kid's ass. I hope we play that game. I really do hope we play that game.
1: I can't believe they didn't just put that as the first game.
0: Yeah, they that's a real missed opportunity there. Keats probably would have backed out of that tournament. Yeah, he probably it probably was a clause or something like
1: that. But, man, I just I hope they just go hard in the paint at his ass the whole time. Just flick him in the shoulder. I had that shoulder injury, man. Just You're going to lose confidence fast if people keep butt hitting your shoulder, man.
0: All right, Whiskey Wheel, go to your soccer game. I appreciate you. your time. As yeah. always, thanks for listening, y'all. Support the support the pod, support the uh, sponsors. Support the pack by not leaving in the third quarter. All right, be a good thanks. fan. Don't be a bad fan. Thanks for not leaving during our Don't 15 seconds
1: fan. of silence.
0: Yeah, don't hurt me sneezing and muting will. <laughs> it's like a real bad spasm there. Anyway, as always, uh, appreciate y'all. Do whatever the hell you want with your time, and if you're actually listening to us, then thanks. Yep, go pack as always. Go pack. Spider-Man.